0: Welcome to the Prodigy Maker Show with Chris Lewitt. Chris Lewitt is an internationally recognized high performance coach, educator, and author of two best selling books The Tennis Technique Bible and The Secrets of Spanish Tennis. Tune in weekly as Chris answers questions live from around the world and discusses topics in junior development, technical and tactical training, Spanish tennis methods and philosophies, and more. The Prodigy Maker Show is primarily focused on high-performance junior training and how to help children maximize their potential. The program features intelligent insight from Chris and debate from leaders in the high-performance industry. The show can be watched live on Chris's Facebook profile, and video versions of the show are archived at youtube.com forward slash Chris Lewitt. And now, here's Chris. What's up, amigos? It's the Prodigy Maker Show. Episode 51, coming to you live, it's Chris Lewitt. I'm not at the Chris Lewitt Tennis Academy, I'm at the Chris Lewitt Family House in Manchester, Vermont. The academy's just down the road, and we're doing a little Friday night lights, as they say in Texas, where I lived, I went to a tennis academy in Texas when I was a kid full-time John Newcomb Tennis Academy and we're gonna do some Friday Night Lights but it's not football it's tennis talk about the serve happy to share with you guys my serve philosophy I know that I had some requests to talk about serve technique that is a very popular topic and a subject that's very near and dear to my heart because I love teaching the serve and I have players and coaches families come from all over really all over the world to work on the serve with me here uh whether I'm in New York or here in Vermont so it's a, it's an area of expertise for me it's a specialty I've studied the biomechanics of the serve for many years and I think just from being in the trenches working with thousands of kids all levels from beginner, you know, young kids, five, six years old to teenager, you know, could be a world-ranked junior or could be just a kid starting out in the tournament circuit in, uh, in their section. But just from those years of uh, experience teaching the technique and working on uh, the serve with, with so many different children combined with the good study of biomechanics. And also, I have to admit that what gave me insight, in the best insight into the serve was my old coach, Gilad Bloom, whom I always try to, to mention and I give a lot of respect and thanks, very grateful to Gilad. Because I think he was a genius, and he is a genius with the serve. And the thing about Gilad was, or is, well back in the day when I was was a player, uh, he was my coach. And I got injured, so I ended up doing some coaching on the side to try to make some extra money. And I spent hours and hours on Gilad's court. And Gilad could fix any serve. He had this magical ability. He could take any player who came in and after a few months what I observed was in his academy in New York is these kids would be transformed. And I thought, wow, this guy is amazing. Like He can basically mold this player into any shape he wants. He can mold the technique into any shape he wants. And I wanted to learn how to do that, and that is how I guess I got started on my journey with as a technician, as someone who loves to, to develop and refine technique. You know, sometimes you have coaches who are experts in tactics. They're tacticians, and you find a lot of those coaches on the tour. I started my journey. I didn't know it was going to end up this way, but I, I started out back in the day Learning from Gilad how to be a world-class technician, how to work on the nuts and bolts, the hardware of a, of a young player's game, rather than so much the software. Gilad was not much of a software coach, working as much on the mind or the psychology or the, the tactics. Not that he couldn't do that, but his specialty and his genius, I think, is and was the technical and not just the the technical in terms of biomechanics because Gilad wasn't the type of guy isn't the type of guy to sit down and probably read a lot of biomechanical uh textbooks you know that's something I I I happen to have done that like I've read all the the ITF books on biomechanics and that that kind of stuff is a little more scholarly that's up my alley but but Gilad just had this knack for fixing things he's like you know, someone who's really good at, at mechanical things like fixing a car or rebuilding an engine. Well, Gilad has this uncanny ability to do that with technique. And so I just had this luck, just sheer luck, that I connected with this guy, this amazing coach. And I, I when I got hurt and I realized that I might not be able to make it on the pro circuit as a player, I really wanted to become a world-class coach and so I started my journey in this technical framework uh that I learned from Gilad and I think that that has has been a springboard for my entire career. Just just out of serendipity, just luck that just you know, I happened to be in the right place at the right time and then having and getting injured And what are the chances that uh, you can make a whole, you know, I I built my whole career on being an expert in technique now. And I think that's, it's interesting how life works. You know, I never would have seen that coming. And probably back in the day, I, I wouldn't consider myself like a very technical, mechanical person. But I just happened to have this exposure to someone who was like that, who had this brilliant mind for taking apart technique and rebuilding it. And I just was his understudy for many years, so that's how that's how it all started. And then if you combine that with a good scholarly study of biomechanics, you can start to develop uh, a real expertise in building and rebuilding serves and or, or whatever, forehand, backhand, wh- whatever it might be. So that's sort of the backstory. I didn't even plan to discuss that, but I just thought it was interesting. For, it's just an interesting personal anecdote, and for all of you coaches watching, you just never know who who you're going to be exposed to who you're gonna uh learn for you always try to learn from everyone your your mentors I always tell young coaches who study with me your mentors are everything, especially in something like coaching where coaching is you can learn how to you can learn a lot of things from a book that will help you as a coach, but you can't learn coaching to be a great coach it, it's a a talent that you have to develop with people on the court, with mentors. I think that's that's really important. So I see some friends already on the program. Guys, I'm really sorry. I wanted to catch up with you guys. It's been a few weeks since the last show. And we did hit episode 50, so I'm super happy about that. But, however, the show is it's been tough it's pandemic here uh, my kids are still all at home i have four kids at home here come all the excuses wait a minute champions don't make excuses as my son likes to tell me as rick macy loves to say but not it's just a fact you know i got it, it's crazy here uh, i've been working hard i have players visiting the academy and all my kids are home we're trying to do the homeschooling got to get through this final year wow what a year it's been uh so the the I'm also uh in school. I'm I'm taking some classes in kinesiology. I'm studying uh biomechanics and technique uh in college right now part-time. So I'm I'm doing some studies part-time in my favorite, you know, area of study uh for tennis. And just it's been wild and the the show is is become more of a, you know, once every other week. Type of deal. I'm going to try to do two per month, and that way we can at least have regular, regular broadcast. Broadcasting from the house here. It's a little nuts at home. This is my wife's broadcast room. She does a lot of remote work. She's a lactation consultant, so she works with a lot of moms who are breastfeeding. She's like like a baby. She's like a nurse for uh, for nurse for lactation for nursing and this is her room where she does all her remote consults and I've stolen her room it's actually not either one of our rooms because it's it's baby oceans its baby oceans uh, bedroom but we have we have uh taken over her room for remote broadcasting so I hope you don't mind the uh, the kitty stuff in the background but the acoustics are pretty good in here, and the lighting's not bad either. So we've we have stolen Baby Ocean's room for broadcasting and for our remote teaching. So the serve. Let's dig into it a little bit. Uh, I see Vanessa said hello. What's up, Vanessa? How are you? Great to see you guys. Say hi to the twins. Can't wait to see them soon this summer. Those are my Las Vegas players. There, Vegas. Baby, serve. Let's get down to the nitty gritty, or this show is going to be like two hours long. I could do a four-hour program on the serve. If you have questions about the serve or technique, and you happen to be catching the show live, feel free to jump in and and pick my brain. But a few things I wanted to touch on, and I have no pre-planned notes. This is all extemporaneous, things on the top of my head, but. When you get into technique, when a player comes to you and they need work on their serve, where do you start? As a coach or a parent, or as a player, the first thing that pops into my he- my head, like if you did that game that they do on a lot of podcasts, where they say, you know, first first association, they you know the host throws out the name, a name of something, and then the guest has to say their first thought that comes to mind my first thought that comes to mind is this kind of thing and if you're not if you're listening to this as a podcast if you're not watching the the video i'm making a power position or a trophy position where the right arm or the dominant arm is in approximately 90 degrees you get a nice perpendicular shape with the right arm The racket extends straight upward and then the left arm is up high pointing to the ball. So whatever you want to call that power position, power position is a good term because biomechanically at that moment you are storing all of your energy and getting ready to release it and to accelerate to your maximum. So that power position for me is everything, especially for little kids. Also, is I like to build the serve from the... No, this is up top, but it's not up top like small little things. It's like big, big shoulder position, back position. Uh, It's a large group of muscles creating this framework. And for me, that's... Sometimes I call it gross. Like that gross positioning, as, as in a gross motor skill... Large muscle groups working—that to me is more important than a lot of little fine motor skills. When it, when someone's learning the serve, especially a young children, I work with a lot of prodigies. I work with a lot of young kids under ten, little little superstars. You know, I have a girl that won Little Mo. I have all sorts of little um, I'm like the Pied Piper for little kids. All these little superstars follow me around coming to New York, coming to Vermont, and that's that's one of my passions, getting the kids when they're young. And building, I'd like to think that I'm very well known for building beautiful technique in, in young children for their serves. So that that's one of the, you know, people come to me all ages. I have adult few adults working with me right now, and I'm cleaning up their serve because they never got good serve technical training when they were little. But you get those little superstars coming in, and you got to start for me in the with gross motor skills, gross uh, body positioning with large muscle groups. So what are the largest muscle groups in the body? Start thinking about the legs. So association in my mind. beautiful power position up top. and then down below, for me, the legs and what you do with the legs, what a child does with the legs is critical. And I think that's that right there, what I just said in the last few minutes, I think it's very, very different, perhaps radically different than most of the, than the way I see most coaches teaching the serve. Most coaches that I see and, and in, you know, USPTA, PTR, I, I don't know who comes up with the, the methods that people are using, I mean, I, to me, th- there's a lot of flawed approaches. So, like, I see a lot of little kids being taught grip, what to do with their wrists, like pronation, you know, that's a buzzword you hear a lot. What else? Uh, you know, not not really utilized, I, a lot of kids are told not not to use their legs, to keep, Uh, their legs straight and just focus on the upper arm movement now we can get into some of these you know different questions but for me that that's not really what I care about with the the serve for for beginners or young children or or whether it's adults coming uh, coming back to learn the, the movement better you gotta have that and if you're listening to this broadcast that is the power position Good positioning in the elbow of the dominant arm, good extension of the of the left arm, right? Lifting the left arm up. I don't mean the bio, I don't I don't mean the anatomical term extension. I just mean the arm is lifted up high. I guess that would be elevation in the anatomical terminology. But whatever you want to call it, it's gonna look like this, guys, and there's gonna be an angle in the shoulders, and you, you try to get this. You're going to work a lot on this. And this takes a lot of time because with little kids, what do you get? It's hard to lift that racket up. It's hard to get that framework. It's hard to get that beautiful positioning. A lot of times the racket will drop. You see players do the pizza delivery. You know, you see the wrist collapse here. You have to develop this control of the racket and the racket head to make a beautiful L shape in the dominant arm and you have to work a lot on the motor control to get the left arm tossing well and the left arm pointing up to the ball. Another thing that I don't spend a lot of time on is I mentioned the toss. I see some coaches, many coaches spending an inordinate amount of time trying to get the kid to toss correctly or accurately. Is the toss really important on the serve? Absolutely. Should you spend hours and hours in a lesson with a hula hoop or racket on the ground trying to toss it into that target? I think it's a big waste of time in the lesson. I give it for homework. If a kid's gonna do that, I give it for homework they can do hours of that on their own time not in the lesson you don't you don't pay the coach to do that with the kid that's my feeling will the toss get better when you're working on all these other things in my experience yes you're working on the power position here you get the left arm coming up straight there's no flipping no dipping no weird things in the wrist you you may mention how to hold the ball you don't spend hours on this come on this is like Couple minutes, you make adjustment, and you give homework. But the focus, I think, is all wrong for many coaches out there who work on the serve. And the result is, it's great for my business. I sound like Nick Boletari. Great for my business, baby. You know, like Nick would say something like that. Great for my business. Because what happens is when coaches focus too much on the wrong stuff or the stuff that's not really applicable or appropriate at the right age, or at the right time, is it takes longer to develop a good serve. It takes more time, so the developmental chart, the developmental graph, it, the the curve, the learning curve is longer, and and uh, and the player sometimes stagnates, sometimes get frust- gets frustrated. So my whole philosophy, my whole modus operandi, my focus has been trying over the years, last 15, 20 years in the trenches, working on technique, is to try to figure out ways to teach a kid world-class technique, modern technique, especially modern, like the kind of technique you see on the tour now, not 20 or 30 years ago, or maybe even uh, predicting what the future will be and teaching that technique as quickly as possible number one so that the kid can become as good as possible in as little amount of time but all, and also to save my parents and family money people pay me a lot of money for my lessons it's wrong to try to draw that out and suck people dry if you're really good and people pay you more I've said this in other podcasts and I've written about this, you should be able to develop a kid faster. That's why people pay coaches uh, 200 or $300 per hour as opposed to a local coach making $60 or $80 or $100 for a lesson. If you can't develop a kid faster, then why are you getting paid more? Uh, just because you have a big name or something like No, you have to get results. So my whole overarching philosophy is with let's take with the serve specifically is how can we get this kid into a world-class framework all of the all of the the reference points the positions that you see with the pro level serve can you get that as quickly and as soon as possible as young as possible as quickly as possible as fast as possible obviously with a little child they can't quite get every reference point like a full-grown adult, so there has to be some leeway. But I don't think there's that much. You know, a lot of coaches will use that as an excuse for very rough, very rudimentary form in children. And it could be on, you know, I could this could be for a forehand or a backhand. We're talking about serve, but many coaches will will excuse bad form and they'll just say well you know this kid is young and over time it's gonna get better and it's okay to leave this and this and this alone I don't usually take that approach with the serve the serve is one of those shots that you can you can really refine it why is that you have control over it no one is hitting the ball at you you can practice it by yourself you can this is a this is a particular shot in tennis it is the most complex biomechanical movement in tennis, but it's also the one that you can practice and master. I don't want to say most most easily, but but it it's it is you can master this this movement because you're in control of it. And and the ball is not coming randomly bouncing different ways and you can also practice to serve the one the shot in tennis that you can practice all by yourself on your own you can do hundreds and hundreds of repetitions hopefully do them right but the serve is, is is difficult but it also because it's a unique shot in tennis that you have control over and that you can practice on your own it's also a shot that you see world class players master you know they 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 conquer this this the difficult they overcome the difficulty and they develop a, an incredible weapon and that's what a serve should be and that if you're wondering what the what the long-term goal is, is to get a, a big shot that is getting free points at a high level, whether it's top uh, national level, top in the world level, ITF, or on the pro tour. You're, you're you're trying to develop a weapon, or at least the foundation of a weapon, in a young child that when they get older, they have a dominating force that can earn them 15, 20 free points in a match. Whether that's a service winner or an ace, it has to be a, a a commanding weapon. Let's talk more about that in a minute, checking a few questions here. Vanessa, I think, has a question here, or maybe just a comment. Lucas has been working really hard on keeping his left hand up longer to really help him get the most he can out of his body. Yeah, the left arm control is a common issue with young children. It's hard. It's hard to coordinate Getting a good toss. Tossing is hard. You're using your non dominant arm. Like I said, guys, this this show could be. I'll keep the show a reasonable length, but this could be four, five, six shows, hour long length. There's so many different elements. I'll let you guys lead me on any technical questions that you have, and I'll just touch on a few uh, big points that I want to share. But man, I, I think we did a show a couple years ago on the serve, and. You know, there's, there's just a number of different ways you can come at the serve. It's a complex biomechanical movement. There's many different ways you can slice it and dice it and dissect it. And, you no, know, my main main goal is to kind of help you guys answer, answer any questions you have and also share with you sort of like the, the cheat sheet, some of the big big ticket items for me as a serve developer. And like I said, I think, I believe that I have found a way to teach the serve that, de- that develops the technique faster. So a better way than what, I, what I've seen. And I've done a lot of traveling and a lot of studying. I've studied with many, many legendary coaches and I, I, I've never seen uh, a method that works as well. And most of what I've learned goes back to the old Israeli guy himself, Gilad Bloom. So that's why I guess it was appropriate to talk about Gila at the start because I think that he is the real serve genius and all I did was very diligently sit on that guy's court watch all his lessons especially his serve lessons especially his technical lessons and I stole all of it I took copious notes and hey the great the greatest coaches steal come on I I just basically I took everything he did, and I tried to follow his eye. He had this incredible eye for technique, so I just tried to, in the beginning, I didn't see anything the way he saw it, you know, the different positions of the body parts and what he prioritized. First, I had to figure out what this guy was checking and where his eyes were focusing on. That took a while. That took probably a couple of years. And then I had to figure out okay, so that's how I analyze the serve. And then how do I now build it or rebuild it? So that that's another level. First you develop your eye. I always tell coaches who are studying with me, you got to develop your eye if you want to be a technician. And what is the eye? It's like your your inner Dartfish you know it's your ability to see things in slow motion, or, or to see or to catch things, uh, anatomical positions of the body, to, to see where things are out of place and what, what's missing. And, and for many coaches, that is a big struggle. Uh, some coaches rely too much on, on high-speed video because they don't have a good eye. I think in some ways, some coaches lean too much on a high-speed video. So I think it's important as if you want to be a great technical coach is to develop that eye so you can always go to the video and to to help yourself but learning how to do it in real time and trying to see as much as you can in real time is will will develop your technical coaching ability. So what I'm trying to say is you, you see you got to see it. You got to see the kid You got to figure out a way to 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 build what you want. So you have to have a vision, and then you have to have these drills, different exercises, to get what you want. To start molding that that kid or the adult. And the, you know, if, if you're, a, it's harder as an adult because you're try. You have to unlearn all those bad habits. You know, it's a little easier with the young kid who's less well formed. You know. So, guys, um, Vanessa was talking about the left arm. Left arm is tough to get that thing up. Right arm, very tough to coordinate both. Think about it. Think about how the body learns. Think about motorically, motor skill, acquirement. There's a lot lot to manage with the serve. So complex. You give a little kid a ball, they got to toss it with their non-dominant hand. And then they got to swing their other hand around, load up into a good power position, and then explode. Very, very difficult to do with the arms. Some coaches work a lot on that rhythm. I think that's a pretty good goal with a young kid to develop the rhythm in the arms. The coordination is really important. I think another mistake that I see from coaches is many times they'll work too much on the rhythm. So then they won't involve the legs, the lower body. So, I mentioned that I want to work the big muscle groups, you know, use gross motoric, try to get the gross motoric learning, rather than, I, I feel little kids, it's, it's. I don't want to say a waste of time, maybe it is a waste of time in my lesson, maybe I'll give them some homework, with maybe if, if they have to learn a fine motor skill movement, like a pronation, or, or, um even shoulder rotation I, I don't really focus too much on on the ending or things you know the little details in the in the wrist even at the shoulder joint i like to see these for me it's like big building blocks and the first two building blocks are that power position and it's the legs the way the legs are the stance so that's the footwork of the serve and the and are they powering out of the legs uh, are they using the legs and here I'm going to get maybe into some hot water is are they using the legs to jump for me and this is core fundamental in my system is all of the players jump j-u-m-p and I don't think I see no no I don't see anyone teaching that and if they if they're teaching that they got it from one of my videos because there, there's most coaches say don't jump stay on the ground there's a whole philosophy and a method which i i don't disrespect actually it's not it's not too bad i've seen some real world-class guys teach elite juniors just basically not to use their legs you know just just kind of just kind of develop the throwing motion and the arm motion you know it's not a bad way to do it and then kinda of what happens is at like 10 11 12 those coaches start to like add in some of the details that I'm that i that I'm talking about but I skip that route it's a little too slow for me I, I, I don't know why I don't like it I like to see the legs I think little kids can learn how to jump it's the playground skill it's a gross motor skill it's something that is fun it, it, it's, it's something that I, I love to introduce to young kids. I'll take a kid four years old, five years old, six years old. I, forget, I don't care about what grip they're using at that age. I get that kid to jump. I want, and it's fun. You know, you can make like a little target on the ground and say, hey, let's jump into that box. And you get that kid to learn how to basically load the legs and explode. And so that is a, a huge component that I'm looking for with children. And if the player is older, there are many older people who do not use their lower body. They do not drive with the legs. And so it becomes a very common theme in my work with older players, whether they're adults or it more advanced, you know, juniors who are teenagers, things like that. But... If you can try to visualize what I'm saying in your mind, if you if you want to take a stab at this, if you haven't worked with me on the core, if you haven't seen it in my videos or you know anything like that, is the uh, upper body, this structure here. sometimes I call it the apparatus of the serve. you know this this build. You gotta get that, something like that. That's the power position. Trophy position, whatever you want to call it. That's where you're storing the energy, and this energy is also being stored down below. Because when your arms are here, where should your legs be? When you're in that power position, that trophy position, your legs should be flexed, right? Your knees, your knees, tibiofemoral joint should be flexed and you're you're getting ready to extend and explode upward and this is another huge part of my approach is the timing of when the player is in the power position that first uh, structure that I mentioned and when they are loaded in their legs and are they dropping the racket into People call it back scratch, whatever you want to call it. Is that racket drop happening at the right time? And so that, in a nutshell, I don't want to say that's everything, but if you bring a kid to me at 6 or 7 or 8 or 9 or 10 or 11, or maybe they're older and they don't have a world-class serve and you're looking for some remedial work, 15, 16, or you're an adult and you never learned a great serve, This is it. It's not, uh, you know, this is my point. You don't get too crazy working on pronation. You have coach do 10 lessons on pronation. Give me a break. Or, I mean, I don't want to get too controversial. Too controversial. Like, uh, what else people work? I I don't know what, what, uh, what what are these guys working on? You know, uh, the grip get a young kid yeah let's spend 10 lessons on the grip I mean no no let's not do that 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 is a waste of time I can get a lot more from a young kid at uh, that young age will spend 10 lessons on the big stuff the big stuff baby the legs can that kid jump up can they get into this beautiful power can they manipulate their arms to develop this structure, this is very hard to coordinate. Can they toss the ball up and coordinate their arms, their left and their right arm, into that beautiful power position? Can they do that? And at the same time, load the legs at the right time? And then you take it one step further, can they start that acceleration phase of the serve? This is not acceleration yet, this is just storing. When they're fully stored, can they release that energy, even if it's a young kid? Maximally, can they accelerate with a good racket drop and a good extension up to the ball? But what it, what do most kids do right in that right in that area of the serve? They usually drop their racket too early, so the racket collapses down before the legs drive, and and actually the legs should should you know it happens about simultaneous, pretty close in timing, but. The legs should fire, and that kind of initiates the racket drop. So, so there's um, the racket drop should be on a delay. the the, the player needs to f- load and fire the legs while maintaining this power position, and then the racket is gonna drop and sh- and catch up. Sometimes I say the the legs will trigger the racket drop, and the, when that racket starts dropping, that's that's really the beginning. Of the full build-up to maximum acceleration and that's I don't want to say that's it what I just said I don't know how many minutes we've been talking about it but what I just said probably to get it real good it's gonna take a year or two if you're doing like a once a week private lesson deal you know if you're coming for if you're coming to work with me for a month every day you can probably do it in a month but if you're taking a private you come to the academy and train with me every day. But this is this, this all the, those building blocks that I mentioned, that takes time. That takes time because the serve is biomechanically complex and challenging, and for most people it's not a natural thing. Occasionally you get a kid who's a really quick learner, great motoric learner, and they they get it. They can do it. You don't have to teach them that much. Certainly you shouldn't overteach them. But most people, this is where the coaching comes in. They struggle in one of those areas, and you've got to figure out where is this player struggling, what part of the kinetic chain is breaking, and then you've got to figure out a way to rebuild it. And that's what I mentioned about this guy, Gilad Bloom. He had this knack. He had this ability... Not just to pinpoint what was wrong, but then he could visualize how he wanted to change it, and then he'd have all these different little technical exercises to get the reformation, the rebuilding process going, and that that was really that was his genius. It was not just the eye, but the ability to correct and and fix all those things. That was that he, he's still amazing, you know. He's down in my uh, Miami right now. I, I don't know if he's back in New York yet, but in Miami. You know, amazing. I got a couple questions from Brian here. And man, I I could I could keep going on and on. I might touch on one one more topic. You know, I wanted to just mention to you guys, along with those basics that I mentioned, I work a lot on the landing. It's kind of weird, kind of unusual. I, I don't see a lot of coaches doing that. Now that I promoted uh produced a lot of videos and you know courses and I've written a lot I published a lot so so I, I feel like that's changing but back in the day like 15 20 years ago it's like 15 years ago I didn't see anyone spending time on the landing you know that that's a weird you know, I I I have all my US PTA and PTR certifications and that that really wasn't part of the deal when you work on the service it's, it's kinda like you know trophy position pronation if, if you jump, it's it's a byproduct, you know, you hear that a lot. It's not really something you should teach. It's wrong to teach a jump because it should be kind of a byproduct and that kind of stuff. I spend a lot, curiously enough, I spend a lot of time on the landing and the footwork of the landing. To me, that's something really fun and engaging for little kids to learn. So part of it is just my, my teaching of uh, instincts with a child. Kids like to jump. They just enjoy jump it's it's not something you have a little kid and you're going to teach them how to serve. You start with the jump it's fun they know how to do it it's like a like a frog like a frog does in the pond like they do on the in the playground. You can teach that I really firmly believe that it's big big motor skill, gross motor skill. you teach them how to jump, and so just naturally, I guess what happened over the years is I said, alright, you're going to teach them how to jump, but I'm going to teach them how to land. And I get them landing on the left leg. And I work a lot on the kickback. It's like an arabesque movement in ballet. So, you know, that's the other thing that I spend a lot of time on. People think that's crazy. (coughs) You know, to work on, on, I spend a lot of time on the landing. To me, it's great. I love it. So I get the kids jumping, and then we work on the landing, and it's, And you you get such a good balance training you can also work on their footwork post landing really really good stuff you're building a lot of coordination you're building stability in the legs you're building uh, power in the legs I just I just love that so if I were gonna go over my top three or four or five things you guys you guys got, got the deal now. Now you can go out there and try to compete with me. But you still got to spend a few years developing your eye if you're a coach. I know a lot of coaches listening to the show. You know, a lot of coaches don't like to admit that they listen to the show, but they do. But hopefully we have some parents and kids listening too. But, you know, you can go out and try. You're going to have to spend a few years developing your eye. don't have to go to the Darfus all, all the time. And... You're gonna have to know. It's not just. It's not enough to know the corrective exercises. You gotta know like how do you link them together? How many repetitions do you do? Which exercise for which kid? You know what's gonna work here? What's gonna work there? It's gonna take you guys some time to develop that knowledge. Anyway, Brian, my man, Brian Peterson is on the program. Welcome back, amigo. Let me see what you wrote here. You've got a bunch of questions and comments. Or, or maybe just one here. Do you get caught up in the weight distribution at the power position? I've heard Macy say 60-40 with more weight on the back foot. That way, it's more of a pusher. Yeah. I do spend a little time on that. I think that's that's a good way to go. Exactly how you described it, to be honest. And, you know, Macy... What can I say? You guys know that I'm a big Macy fan. <clears throat> Some people don't like Rick very much, but you know, I think he's got got it all right on the serve. I've seen, I've I've been on, on his court. I've been down at his academy, shadowing him. Uh, you know, back in the day, and I, I, I always study Rick's videos and all of the mat- any anything that he publishes, any lessons that he does. that happen to. Come online. I'm a big fan, and I think he's a he's really, really amazing with children, type of kids that I work with. A lot of young kids. He's got a great way of engaging children. He's got a great sense of humor, and he's he's a great communicator. And I happen to think he's he is very good with technique, especially in his collaboration with Brian Gordon over the years. The two of them together are kind of a technical powerhouse. I know Brian has now moved on. I think he's also in Miami with a new sort of boutique academy or technical training center. But anyway, they split up. There was a divorce. I guess something happened. But, you know, Rick is amazing. He's very good with technique. I got to tell you, he's known as one of the best technicians in the world, Macy. And I think he's really good. When I went down to study with him. I spent a week with him, and I mean, I could tell you some fun, some great stories. Some, I won't go into it, but uh, one of my memories was that I said, "This guy is known for being the best technician in the world," and he was working on. He works a lot in the serve, especially the serve. He's known. He, he's very proud of that. You know, working on the serve. And I said, "This guy. I think Gilad is better. I, I think Gilad is better at at at." Analyzing and fixing the sir, I see better corrective exercises and that will work faster. That was my impression at the time. You know whether whether you 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 agree with me or not, uh, whether whether you choose to believe me or not. But that was kind of my impression at the time. And I said, you know what? I, I think I can do this. I think I could fix this serve even better than what Rick's doing. That was my thought at the time. It's like a young guy. Like I have no business thinking that. But I remember I remember those types of thoughts. Like. I see what he's doing. It's not bad, but I've seen Gilad do it better, and I think I could probably fix that kid's serve better. And that was, you know, fifteen. That was a long time ago. I haven't seen Rick in a while. But anyway, it's it's interesting memory. You mentioned Macy. The sixty forty is is not a hard and fast rule. Some players jump a little more off the front. Some players use use a little more of the back. But I think it's a it's a good rule of thumb. Uh, and and Andy Brandy's big. Andy Brand is another excellent coach whom I study with study with him down at in Boca the USDA he's great he's amazing Andy Brandy also he, he believes the same 60 40 you know I can th- think of a, it's that, that's a good rule of thumb no no problem with that but but don't spend it is an important it is an important building block because if you have a kid just jumping off the front leg it's a problem and you probably should correct it because if you ha- if you're working on the the big gross motor skill of a young kid, I'm trying to think what I would do. I, I would definitely correct it because it's not something I would let slide. Because I want them to learn how to jump properly, and to learn how to jump properly properly is is accessing the energy of the back leg, which drives up the back hip. You know, getting that force, uh, the the uh, getting a good uh, ground reaction force, the GRF. From the the back leg, the loading in the back leg. So that is something that I do spend time on with children. Absolutely great, great question. And I think that's part of teaching the leg, the how to jump, how to jump well for a serve. All right, you guys getting this? Is this interesting or what? Uh, You think I'm crazy over here, up in the mountains of Vermont? Some crazy guy says he can teach to serve well. I well, do have to come and visit. Let me know what you think. So, should I recap that? Really, I don't even remember all the big ticket items. Like I said, I didn't. I didn't take notes for this, guys. This is all stuff. You got the power position. Go through a few of them. That's big. That includes the tossing movement. The leg work including the footwork post landing. So you got the, the, the leg work, the loading, like Brian was saying, getting good good distribution in the weight of, with the legs. the exploding, that's the jump, teaching a kid how to jump properly. You know, a lot of kids jump kind of funny, like they might lift their knees up like they're doing a bunny hop or something. you know, teach them the, how to jump well. And then part of that is landing with good balance and stability. And with the kickback with an arabesque, I spend a lot of time on that on the splitting of the legs. Most kids jump and land really sloppily. So that is like one those are sort of my beginning building blocks. And many players will come in for remedial work. They don't have that, and we gotta go and and you know, we have to get that, whether they're regardless of what age they are, you've got to have those building blocks. You have what else? One, two, landing. See, that, 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 those are the those are the main points. You know, don't get too caught up with with uh, grip, wrist. Of course, eventually you're gonna get a good continental grip. You start working on spin serve. Oh, I wanted to share with you guys just sort of a little philosophy, meta philosophy, overarching beyond the basic philosophy beyond technique when do you develop a kick serve when do you develop a slice do you develop those serves at all you know yes you need to develop all of the serves in tennis slice topspin flat you know this a uh, very common coaching question per parents ask me this question a lot some really famous coaches start with flat and you get that flat serve going for a young kid and then later on they add in a slice or a topspin some coaches start with a slice because it's more natural quote-unquote it's more of a natural throwing motion it's easy to learn easier to learn I've started kids with a topspin before, not not a huge kick, but a, you know just a, a brushing motion. Depend, depends. Uh, back, I've gone through different iterations of this philosophy. I used to think, you know, I got to start the kids brushing more, get the get the little like the upward um, topspin action going. I used to like to do that with all the young kids, but but I became more flexible over the years. Sometimes we we'll do the flat, sometimes we we'll do the slice. I think you got to go with the the way the kid presents in front of you, the player. Some players may have more success with a particular serve when they're young, and you can kind of be flexible. You don't have to be rigid and say, oh, it's got to be kick first, or it's got to be flat first. Um, You can also work on on a mix. If you have a very talented kid, you can do more of a mix. If the kid is not that talented, motorically gifted, be very careful with mixing too many serve styles um, skills at once I I definitely think with less gifted kids it's better to pick one and develop more of a mastery before moving on to another but I have this idea that between the first and the second serve by the time a kid is 10 11 12 depending on how early they started depending on how elite they are at that age you know, I, I deal with some. I, I coach some kids who are very elite. You know, winning that. You know, winning a little mo at ten is. You're one of the best players in the country. You, you get a kid like that. They have to have a serve. I really believe this. This is a one serve philosophy. They have to have one serve that they can pretty much get in. Every time. I don't care if it's raining, the sun's in their eye, it's a tornado coming through. They got one serve that they can get in and they can pretty much play an entire match with one serve. How many of your students can do that? How many of your players can do that? Well, the best kids in the country can do that. They have a motion that's so refined and automatic that they can put that one serve in almost every time. And then occasionally, even for the best kids in the country, they're human. They will miss that serve and it's time for the second delivery. And my my approach is I like the second delivery to be different than the first. So I don't like to see a top kid in the in the country young kid who's popping in the same serve. That's just me, but I know other great developers who they don't agree with that at all. And you know, I respect that. They just want to get that one serve, one delivery. For me it's like one and one. It you got to have the one serve that almost goes in every time, you know, every time, but you also have to have the the other one that is differentiated. And usually for me, I teach a topspin. It's not going to be a big kick for a little kid, but it's going to be a it is going to be a topspin. That means it has a rainbow shape. It goes up high. I and mean, we can do another show on the kick serve. You know, I love I love talking kick serve, guys. That's one of my number one areas of specialty here. Because I teach thousands of kick, over the years, hundreds and thousands of beautiful kick serve. That's, that's, what I'm, that's one of my favorite shots to teach. But with little kids, it's not going to be a big kick. It's not going to be Roger, Roger's kick or, or Novak. And with older players, adults, who come to train with me, not gonna usually not gonna be a big kick either. Going to be more of a a topspin, could be a fast top spin, depends on the different varieties of topspin. But but essentially, what I'm saying is if you wanted a little elite kid, and you would start them at five, six, or seven or whatever, you gotta get a serve, you gotta build something that goes in ninety-nine point nine nine nine. It has to be money. Money in the bank. And I give you flexibility. Can be, can be a a slice, can be a flat, can be a a kick. So you can work on the other ones, but you got to have that one, the one that always goes in, because you can't win big tournaments without that. You you have to have a serve that that holds up under pressure. And. Once you have that one serve, it gives the player a lot of confidence. So many young children that I meet, that I see, come to the academy, come to camp, or whatever. They are very, very anxious. They have a lot of anxiety on the tennis court. And, And I really believe it's because they haven't developed that one serve, that one delivery that they can trust. They're a mess. It's chaos. And there's too much variation. They haven't done enough good, deep repetition. You know, as they say, the the key to technical learning is deep, focused, engaged repetition. They haven't done enough of that repetition to develop that one solid delivery that will almost always always go in. I mean it. Whether it's windy or sunny or whatever. Whether, you know, the other player's a jerk. The other player's parent is swearing at you, or God knows what's happening at junior tournaments right now. You know, you gotta. That player has to have that that money serve, and and if, and when they're young, it's just one. They haven't. They're not like a little Roger with three serves that are money. Eventually, as they get older, the goal is to have two serves that are that reliable, and then a third serve. Three three total. slice, a kick and a flat or a power serve basically three there's a lot of different variations of those three but now, so I think when their kids are young you've got to develop that one and I see I just see a lot of kids who have they're double faulting a lot they're missing a lot of first serves they are very very chaotic they don't have control of their serve and that I think is the key for a young kid is getting that control and if you work on it to serve that way it, 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 this is an overarching philosophy, you will have players who have less anxiety, young, and especially for young kids. Unfortunately, once you develop a lot of anxiety with your serve, that can compound and become a psychological scar. Seriously. That, that can become a trauma that, that you can carry with you your entire tennis career. You can carry that with you all the way into your teenage years and and adulthood. That can really affect you psychologically. So it's really, really important to get good technical coaching when you're young and and to develop that solid serve with, with enough deep repetition so that it's automatic. And then... You start to build in the variety later. You keep that one really good serve. That is gonna, that's going to win you a national championship. But then, and then in practice, you start building out your kick or your slice. Or that, that one serve could be just uh, you roll in a, a topspin serve every time. And then you start developing your first power. You, know, it could, you can do it in a number of different iterations, a no, no, number of different ways. Don't feel it has to be just one way. But you've got to have one. That's my philosophy of one serve. And, I, you know, I don't know if I ever got my serve. You know, I played at a pretty high level, you know, lower level, like like futures level. But there are times where I felt that I could... I I, I basically could have played with one serve. And, and those were my best matches, like my best memories of serving is when I, I felt that I could whatever i could i could almost make my first serve in at will or if i chose to kick it it almost always went in like and if i missed the first serve by chance i knew there was no chance i was going to miss that kick serve it, it was just spot on and and it and that and i, I didn't always feel that way but i, I sort of I, I imagine that that's what roger that, that's what the real legends of the game feel like when they're hot you know when they're serving they feel that they can basically play with one serve. And and it, it gives you a tremendous confidence because if you happen to miss it by an inch or two, no problem. You just you have that that second one that you that you put in. But that's sort of what I mean by this developing this overarching philosophy of one serve. And I think it starts as a young kid getting that one serve right with really good technique and good repetition, good coaching, good technical coaching, and then that sort of lays a good foundation. And even a psycholo- good psychological foundation uh, for the the years that come. So that that's kind of what the way I see it. Brian had a quick question: Do you think WTA players should prioritize the serve more? And that's an easy answer: Absolutely. And I think they are. I think that the WTA players who are are succeeding, uh, that more and more you're seeing bigger servers, you're seeing faster servers, and you're seeing women who serve more like the men. And who have technique that mimics the men more? The days of—I don't want to, you know, name names—but you know, the days of just popping in the serve and ripping ground strokes on the WTA. Maybe you can guess whose serve I'm thinking of. A really terrible serve on the WTA. door, and she made top ten. I'm not gonna—I'm not gonna name names, but you know, doesn't matter. Those days, I think, are numbered. That's not the future. I always say the future of the women's game is more like the men, and that means big, dominating serving. So the women's game is typically return-oriented, and I think the women will always have good returns, but I think if you have a young girl and you want them to be, especially if they have some height, if they have some power in their body, if they're explosive, you you want to be developing that serve very similar to what the men do. And I think that's the future of the women's game. All right. Amigos, it has been my pleasure. I hope to see you guys on the next program. We should be doing some cool stuff coming up. Uh, probably be a couple weeks before we get the next show going. I am busy teaching, I have a full week of coaching ahead, I have players coming into the academy here in Manchester. I want to invite all of you to come visit me, maybe you want to come develop a world class serve. Come and do that. If you come for a week and I see you every day, we can make substantial improvement in your serve or any other area of your game, especially technical area. You know I love that. I love the hardware. Love working on the hardware hardware technician. But I wanted to say right now the Academy, we are looking for players and especially families to move here and train with me full-time. It's uh, exciting for me to offer that. It's the first time that I've been here in Manchester, Vermont year-round. So I'm looking for the first few families to get this small boutique program going full-time Right now, I have a lot of players visiting short time, which is fine. But the, to me, the future of this program here could be one of you, one of you listening or watching. And I think the future of this program is, is family. It, it is families. Families who are living here and training with me every day. And I don't want the program to be big. I'm talking about maybe a small group of, of six to eight players. Because this is, this academy during the winter, we don't take your kid and, and shoo you away. We want the parents here. And I think that's very unique. I don't believe in, sh- in kicking the parents out. I work with many parents who are involved with their kids coaching. And those are the type of parents that I want here. So it's a very different type of academy, quote unquote, where I want the parents on site all the time. I want the parents living here. I want the kid to be with their family. I don't want to take your player away from you and I don't want you to leave your child with me. We do that in the summer camp so they can get that experience in the summer camp. But the year-round program here, I am looking for a parent or the family to come here and to train with me full-time and the parent to be very involved with their child's development. And those are the families that I like to work with the most. Those are the families that I've had the most success with over the years. And usually, in my experience, not always, there are exceptions, but usually those are the kids who will become champions. The ones who have a mom or a dad who are really, really heavily involved in their development, passionate and engaged, and they care so much. And that's really the type of player The type of situation that I'm looking for here for players and families to come here uh, on a year-round basis. So if you're one of those people, if you're one of those parents or one of those kids, please consider that. You can come for a short-term trial and you can see if you like it, if you like working with me, and then we can make a plan from there. And this also applies to international players. I have a number of international families reaching out to me currently. International. The the issue is always the visa. So we will work with any international family that really wants to be here and train with me. We will work to help you secure the visa that you need to to be able to live here with with your family. So let me know if that interests you. I I I know that right now with COVID, it's a little difficult to get this uh, this. Uh, part of my program going I know it will take off soon but I wanted to let everyone know that that is the future that I see here and if you happen to be catching this show or if you know someone who's interested in that kind of arrangement please get in touch with me all right guys I will see you on the next program it was a great show keep working on your serve let me know if you have any technical questions and I will see you guys soon on the next program adios amigos